Welcome to Late Night We Stand Podcast. I'm Andy Mitten. This podcast is brought to you in association with Bet Fred. Fred Doan opened his first shop in Salford in 1967. There's 88 minutes gone here in San Sebastian, and Manchester United are leading Real Sociedad by one goal to nil. Uh, As you can hear, it's pretty lively. Diogo Delot has just been booked and he's fuming, as are the crowd. So United are winning. Uh, Garnacho scored the goal after 17 minutes. Lovely finish, lovely setup by Cristiano Ronaldo. But if the score stays like this, uh, Real Sociedad will win the group because of a superior goal difference that will mean Manchester United play two extra games at least uh, in February against teams who've been come out of the Champions League group so that could potentially mean Manchester United against Barcelona for example a really lively finish to this game so United have gone to a three at the back as they push in for a second goal Real Sociedad had a time wasting substitutes taking time to walk off the pitch even now they're taking time to make a free kick just wasted a minute basically Cristiano probably should have scored a second in the first half but Real Sociedad have had much more pressure and possession in the second half might as well keep talking here, hadn't I? Ah. David De has played well. He made a very good uh, double save just before half-time. And he's been dealing with lots of high balls sent in towards him in the second half. United are really trying to throw everybody forward. Just trying to see where Harry Maguire is. Harry Maguire is like playing as a... Number nine, go on, go on, Harry. <laughs> so, United going for it, and I, I, I think I've got to, even though there's a risk that Real Sociedad will score here. Might as well stay on here, aren't I? 89 minutes and 15 seconds. Bregi puts the ball in, headed away by Robin Lenormand. I spoke to Robin two days ago, 25 year old French guy, nice lad. over to Luke Shaw jump to try and be a commentator no it's a ball in towards the people around me are going mental oh my gosh if only I could convey what I'm watching into words but Marcus Rashford uh, albeit with a crowded box in front of him just hit a shot well wide before that, it looked like United might get. So Shaw hit the ball in towards the box, which was headed on. The goalkeeper fumbled at it. And the, the TV cameras are going into the United end where there's just pictures of lads with their hands on the heads 
We're now at 90 minutes, but it's just come up for five minutes. The crowd have got louder in the second half. A defeat that seems like a victory. Best Manchester United get a second. Bruno swings a long ball forward, chased down by Marcus Rashford. Centre forward, Harry Maguire shouting for it. Ah, it's gone the other way. Been pretty rainy. I only arrived really late here. Listen to this now. I've got a couple of injuries but not in defence the defence is really strong lovely footing now who was that? that was McTominay so we've, we've now got McTominay and Maguire up front so it's going to be the long balls so one of them goes in now from Delo but they're down to defending well 2,000 United fans in the corner behind the usual red, white and black tricolours the stadium didn't used to be fully covered and fans got wet in 2013 when we last came here it's been beautifully renovated we were supposed to come here in 21 the game was moved 10 days before it would have been behind closed doors anyway it was moved to Turin I ended up coming here because I couldn't change my, my travel plans just basically sitting here doing nothing. So United have got one, two, three, four, five, six players on the edge of the Real Sociedad box. And there's going to be another long ball putting in to pull one from Fred. That's with his agent last night, Gilberto Silva. Ball goes in. And another long high ball headed out. So Real Sociedad might hit Manchester United on the break here. The lot's been booked. Another long ball goes in. Another Real Sociedad head gets to it. It's a Manchester United corner. They think it's all over. of our club officials next to me head in hands job to feel in the tension the lot ball to show everyone is in the L'Areal um, area putting high balls into six foot two players there's another one going to go in now this is not ten hard ball but it won't matter if United get a goal not the final whistle goalkeeper is going to take all day this club's got a great history of goalkeepers by the way Romero's a good one, current one listen to it now listen to how loud it is the fans are swinging their blue and white scarves around their heads and singing Larry Alale 
Another long ball this time from Luke Shaw. Scott McTominay runs onto it. Once again, Robin Oman heads it away. Bruno Fernandes going to be another high ball in. He's over here. He's gone out. And that sounds like a goal, but it's actually... Ball going out of play. It's going to be it. It's going to be it. There's 15 seconds left and Romero's going to take his time. That's it. Disappointed after a win. The Real Sociedad players are hugging each other. They won 1 0, and United won 1 0 here. But because they scored more goals against the Sheriff and Ammonia Nicosia, they're through as leaders. United are through. Doing it the hard way. I'm in the mix zone after the game and with Paul Hurst from the Times. What did you make of that tonight between Manchester United and Real Sociedad? Strange night, wasn't it really? It's not mixed emotions. United won. Um, and Garnacho scored the first goal, a brilliant goal as well. Um, and um, uh, but obviously United ended up finishing second and that's that's two more fixtures in February that they could do without really against potentially de- um, decent teams as well you know Barcelona, Sevilla, Ajax um, so yeah they, I mean, the, the results not not what they wanted really the scoreline is not what they wanted so I think they'll be disappointed really David Silva's just walked past us <laughs> just yeah nice little reminder of how good he well it actually still is he's just injured yeah. at the moment um, what did you make of Garnacho tonight? Because he'll probably make the headlines. I thought he was brilliant. I just like the fact that he's fearless. You, you, you see it with the best young players, don't you? How they just come into the team and just go for it, particularly the wingers. Just be direct, running the fullback, and that's what he. Um, that, uh, yeah, I thought the, the best thing about Garnacho is that he just he just um, he's very direct, fearless, um, and he, he could have had two or three goals in the first half couldn't he he was that good uh, and it gives Ten Hag a bit of a bit of a conundrum really because you've got three or four players who, who like playing on that left hand side you've got, you've got Rashford Sancho Elanga um, so it gives him a bit of a, a quandary in that position I'm surprised how well he's done I spoke to a couple of people who coached him recently and they're like good 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 but still got loads to learn now he's yeah. goal tonight fantastically yeah I thought I thought he'd um, the, the chance had gone when that, he took that first touch I mean it was difficult first touch to be fair great ball though it was fantastic yeah I thought uh, the whole goal was fan- was yeah. brilliant I thought it was really good uh, it took it very well you know he, the keeper had no chance of stopping that so yeah I, th- I thought it was interesting that Ten Hag brought up his attitude last week he clearly wanted to get a message out there and you know what Ten Hag's like doesn't take any uh, any nonsense does he so he's clearly Garnacho's clearly got into line with what um, Tenag's thinking and that's why that's why he's playing Good though when I'm, when I'm in there hearing that I'm thinking good, good, good you know, mm. I, I, I trust this manager yeah, yeah. he knows what he's doing yeah. and results are bearing it out I know yeah. uh, Manchester United will be second but what's that nine games now undefeated since the Derby match it's a good run yeah. and to come here and win is difficult yeah. I know it's against the backdrop of not being good enough but they're a good team they won every game this week yeah, I, I, I was very impressed with, with them in the, in the second half. The way they're very organised team, 
and um, you know David De Gea was uh, pulled off two amazing saves, didn't he? So they could have quite easily scored a couple uh, Real Sociedad. So yeah, it's um, getting that momentum together is, is key for United, isn't it? After that, the derby was seems such a long time ago, and I think if you look at the team now, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect them to put in that kind of performance. You know the way that they collapsed against City again. I only one been, month ago. Uh, well, there you go. I wouldn't even. You know, it seems how many games has been now. Yeah, it seems an age ago, doesn't it? So I think, yeah, I think they're a lot more solid and a lot more uh, uh, well drilled now. Let's talk about a couple of the other players, Marcus Rashford. I know tonight wasn't his night, but it's been much better, hasn't it? Yeah, I think the goal that he scored um, against West Ham, I, I would never have expected him to score that goal. I'm sure it's the first time I've seen him score a goal like that, and it just made me think back to the time when Solskjaer was kept talking about wanting strikers who get stick their head in you know would, would be willing to have their nose broken if they were inside the six yard box and he he, stood, he did that you know he put his head in and he really went for it um, and it was a fantastic header you know one of the best goals I've seen at Old Trafford for a, for a while so yeah it's all looking positive for, for Marcus we've got to speak to some footballers now haven't we I'm quite surprised with uh, Sid Lowe here now he's just talking about how great he thinks Manchester United are Sid, um, you're always a, 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 an even-minded, fair-handed. Why are you laughing, Andy? <laughs> what do you think of uh, the game tonight? Talk about Real Sociedad if you want. I was impressed with Real Sociedad. I mean, I think you have to put it in the context that this is um, a Real Sociedad side who sees United. I mean, we should never forget this, by the way. And I say this quite often in Europe, and, and sometimes people get angry about. It. I don't really understand why. United are massive. I mean, it's genuinely a big deal for a club like this to have United turn up. There's genuinely a sense. I wouldn't quite call it awe, but a sense of, wow, we're going face-to-face with United. And so I think that does condition the analysis a little bit. And, and maybe sometimes the enormity of the entity kind of overshadows the, the team, if you like. Um, but I was impressed with Real Sociedad tonight insofar as I didn't think they just defended. They had more shots than, than United. Maybe didn't always have the clarity to create really clear chances, but I thought they, they, they played. They didn't just kind of try and protect themselves. This is a team, by the way, with eight players missing. Um, a whole load of young kids in the side. And so I was very impressed with them. From a United point of view, I, I thought there were moments in the first half where I thought they judged the game pretty well in the sense that I felt it wasn't necessarily a bad thing to allow Real Sociedad to have the ball, to look for the space between the two full-backs, sorry, behind the two full-backs. I think both got a Sabah, he's a real weak link, and we saw that in the first goal. Both the goals that Betis scored against him at the weekend were behind the right-back as well. I thought we saw a couple of moments where Diego Rico wasn't quite on the pace. And it felt to me that while Real Sociedad had more of the ball and maybe more chances, that each time that United sort of stepped forward, it looked like it really opened up for them. But then it kind of didn't, if you see what I mean. It looked like it was going to rather than happening. And I thought the second half performance from United actually showed a lack of imagination, I thought, a lack of ideas. And, you know, I know we can, we can, we can define this by talking about Maguire going on and up front. I think that would be a bit facile, but there's a sort of degree of symbolism in that, I think. And they go through now as group leaders, group winners. That's pretty significant for Lariel, no? I think it's very significant for Lariel, more so than I think it would have been for Manchester United. But it has a certain significance for United, given that, given that I'm going to use Mourinho's lovely word, if only because it makes me laugh every time I say it. Squali Faliti, the failed Sharks um, from, from the Champions League. Now, I actually looked at the list and I thought to myself, all right, they are Sharks, but actually there's only three or four of those that United would think I'd really rather not play them. Most of them in this country. Yes, um, Sevilla, Ajax as well, I suppose. Um, Barcelona could have been worse because, of course, Atletico could have been in here as well. And, and much as they're not very good at Atletico at the moment, you probably don't want to play them. 
So I don't think it's terrible from United's point of view, but you don't really want two extra games. You don't really want to be put in a, put in a position where it's a knockout tie more and there's, there's that risk. And, you know, you might get one of the stronger teams. You, you might be in a position where, where you don't get through. And so it was better to avoid it from United's point of view, but in particular it was good to avoid it from Real Sociedad's point of view because I think if you look at it in just in terms of the size of the clubs, you would say maybe two or three more of those squali Faliti are frightening to Real Sociedad than would be to United. You've seen Casemiro play a lot at Real Madrid. I should say that as well as writing for The Guardian, you do the Spanish football podcast, which is... Yeah, if people well, would like it? to come and listen to us, that'd be lovely. You do good, and you can talk about Cadiz and Sevilla, where Manchester United are playing next month in friendly matches. Oh, they are, aren't they? They are. Tell two, you what, two great cities. You're going to come I'm down there. Tell you what, right? Uh, never, never mind the game. <laughs> never, mind, never mind the World Cup. Hey, United doing this deliberately, so you get San Sebastián, Seville yeah. and Cadiz. They're just choosing the best cities in Europe. Yeah. And uh, slowly touring around them. They're going to be in Monte Carlo before you know it. So Casemiro's absolutely brilliant. Discuss. I really like him. Uh, I think he's very clever. I think he's technically a better footballer than you think. I think he agrees to the game really well. That all these things, in a way, I feel like I don't need to tell people because, of course, he's been playing at this level for Real Madrid. But I think there was always that slight sense that, yeah, but it's Real Madrid. And, you know, he's the not very good one in the Real Madrid m- midfield. And actually, in truth, that's something that I think people in Madrid have said a little bit this year because Charmeni's started so well. But I don't think that's fair. I, I think I think Casemiro is a really bright player. I think... He's not the player to make the whole midfield function. I think he's the player to allow the midfield to function, if you see what I mean. So I think the rest of it has to work as well. He's not going to suddenly come in and, and kind of make, make this midfield really brilliant. But I think what he will do is he'll come in and he'll allow the good midfielders who are already there or who join the club maybe if there are signings to kind of have the freedom to do the things they do and know, well, look, Cassie's there. We can let him, we can let him sweep up behind us. Finally, I remember speaking to you after United had played Celta Vigo semi-final in this competition 2017. Yeah. And you said to me how powerful, that was the word you used, how powerful Manchester United looked. They looked just much bigger. I remember them physically the looked a bigger in, team. In, yeah. In, in Vigo. Where do you see this Manchester United team at the moment? Well, look, look I, start, I start this answer with, with a kind of a, 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 a warning which is that to say that first of all I'm not an expert on United and I say a lot of them and I in particular don't see a lot of them compared to your listeners um, so you basically say I might now make a twat out myself yes exactly exactly I mean not for the first time and, and almost certainly not for the absolutely not for the last time um, my, my kind of feeling is that this feels like a team that's starting to get a sense of what it wants to do it feels like a team that's, that, that maybe has done it not necessarily through alright we construct something that's brilliant with the ball but we give ourselves a degree of solidity we give ourselves a degree of um, I don't know clarity if you like in some, in some of the basics there were a couple of moments earlier on today where I thought oh, Dalot looks good and I, people have been talking about how much he's improved admittedly not a huge amount I, I must admit my feeling today was Manchester United was really it was really Alejandro and it was and it was Bruno Fernandes and that was not a lot else in truth but I feel like there's a kind of a, there's an idea for me and I also feel and this is seen from the outside and, and very definitely from the outside I mean not just in terms of not watching them but, but absolutely from the outside I feel like what happened recently with Ronaldo kind of helps the sense of authority and direction from, a, from above the above being the manager and that maybe that's a, a good thing yeah. How does a free case of beer sound? Well things are feeling pretty alright about Manchester United at the moment so you can celebrate with our very good friends at Beer 52 they're offering a free 
case of eight delicious craft beers from the Netherlands, the home of Mr. Ten Hag. Simply go to www.beer52.com forward slash United and cover the meagre postage of £5.95 to receive your free case of Dutch beers now. Beer 52 is the biggest beer club in the world. Each month they send their members a case of beer from an exciting location across the globe. Their double Dutch case will take you on a beer trip around the Netherlands' finest independent craft breweries. You can try a double IPA from two chefs at a cool 7.5%. And De Molens, there's Op and Top, a beautifully easygoing pale ale. And on the dark side this month, there's Daily Grind, a sessionable stout by Mercertown. If dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included in your package is the ever insightful Ferment magazine. There's a couple of tasty snacks as well. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. Go to www.beer52.com forward slash united to claim your free case now. That's beer52, they're the numbers 52 com forward slash united it's the morning after the game and i'm on a train from san sebastian to barcelona it's about five and a half hours it, it left when it was still dark in san sebastian raining so i didn't really see much of the city which is a shame because it's, it's a wonderful place and there's quite a few united fans on this train and one of them is alex who's from moscow and he runs um, a blog. What's it called, Alex? It's Stratford and Russia. Stratford and Russia. Um, and how many European ways have you been to? Uh, European ways. Well, but that's actually my first one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and but I've been to United's match uh, in Moscow against yeah. CSK Moscow against uh, oh I think it was. 2015 yeah. uh, with Van Gaal and uh, the one in 2017 when we won 4-1 against CSK under Mourinho so yeah and that's my third one on the United yeah I was at these trips in Moscow and also Volgograd many years ago so I, I saw how your country changed a lot and when I was in Moscow in 15 I, I went with the locomotive Ultras oh. and um, yeah. we that was quite interesting as well and then before the Champions League final in 2008, United we stand, uh, we played a team of Spartak um, legends. And they were great. It was such a good experience between the, the, the people who played for Spartak Moscow. We gave them a good game too. I should mention uh, Wayne Ducks, who played in that match. He's from Wivenshaw and he passed away recently. Uh, still a young lad, so I thought so with uh, Wayne's friends and and family so what's it been like given the political situation uh, supporting Manchester United because you um, I remember being in Moscow in 15 the, the Russian Reds were really well organised they, they had a big Luke Shaw banner made if, if, if I remember yes, rightly yeah. um, and what's, what's changed this year uh, well, the whole community and the whole country uh, just getting separated between uh, like those who don't support the regime and who do support the regime. Uh, and yeah, among the United fans, we all, 
even in Moscow, we all were very united in terms of we had like Ukrainian fans there, Belarus fans there, and uh, yeah, we get a bit of, of an argument, but then I think at the end we stick just uh, with the purpose of supporting United and being united, and that's how we try to uh, like epitomize ourselves. The United Russian Supporters Club is actually one of the biggest ones. Why are Manchester United so popular in Russia? Um, I don't know. Uh, actually, we have like branches keeping open and open in different cities. Uh, but for me, yeah, for me it was uh, like I started supporting in 1997 or eight like with the class of 92 obviously uh, and uh, many people were supporting before like bef even before Alex Ferguson like, and after I don't know why United maybe because it's uh, it's closer to um, Man United is more or less like Spartak for us uh, you know the red colors and then uh, the great 90s and then the owners problems etc etc uh, and Spartak is like a pretty uh, international team and uh, my brother supports so I, I, I'm not sure about everyone yeah but for me it looks like this can you tell us about Torpedo Moscow because I think that was the first uh, Russian team who Manchester United played that was in the UEFA Cup. I think that's where Gary Neville made his, his debut. Yeah, yeah. They're not one of the giants of Russian football, are they? Uh, not anymore. Um, they used to be very, very good at that time. I think it was 1992 or three. I don't know. I was I was a small child over there. Uh, but then, like the problems uh, came with the financial support, uh, and now their stadium is getting demolished and. Uh, they just I think they they are playing Luzhniki now like the biggest arena in Russia now but that's temporary because their stadium is replaced by I don't know some modern buildings uh, and I used to play in that stadium absolutely nice but yeah this is how things are going uh, for Torpedo right now not very good they are not so but they used to be very very good how has the Russian football been affected by what's going on in, in Ukraine is the domestic league still functioning relatively normally how do people feel about not being able to see their team in the World Cup for example uh, we're all very very pissed I would say sorry about the words but uh, yeah because generally uh, what what we have we have the experience of hockey team playing without the flag Olympic team playing without the flag and now all of a sudden football team is not allowed to the World Cup and we made uh, a very very good progress in terms of football we have young people coming into the squad and yeah, performing nice in terms of the Russian league um, well I would say the most stressful moment is that we have attracted some uh, foreign players and now they, they tend to go and they are allowed to interrupt their contracts and move away uh, and it's not very good situation I think that the son of Henrik Larsson did this um, however he wasn't like uh, in the starting 11 yeah I think but those people like Victor Moses for example they are staying in Spartak Moscow and they are playing quite good Quincy Promise as well 
so yeah, this is the thing. Uh, I'm worried more about the transfer of uh, like Chelsea have a huge interest in Arsene Zaharan, uh, the Romanian player, very very good one. I think is a top prospect, uh, and he wasn't allowed or it was uh, some issue uh, during the winter transfer market. But I hope he will make it in in the summer. I've just been with uh, Andre Vijs Boas and he managed for Zenit really successfully and he told me he had a great time there but even if he speaks about that now he comes under a lot of criticism if he talks in a complimentary manner about um, his time in, in a city which he, which he loved. Uh, How do you get out of Russia at the moment? Complicated or is it all coming through Istanbul and Dubai? Uh, well, I think it's Istanbul, Dubai, uh, and Cairo, the capital of uh, yeah, Egypt. That's the three ways. Uh, well, I used mine. I recently moved, uh, also from Russia, uh, not because of like globalization, etc. I'm just having, uh, I'm just having uh, my work work movement. Uh, so yeah, I used Istanbul. It was pretty expensive, so you go from Moscow to Istanbul, and then you go into the next destination. For me, it was Barcelona, but yeah. How much was that flight? Uh, it's about for me, it was two and a half k euros. So, so that's five times what it is normally. Yeah, because okay. I went to Moscow in eighteen. It was three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. Wow. And that's it was yeah yeah, and it was like the direct flights. Now you need to switch. So yeah, not not a very <laughs> pleasant experience. Let's talk about Manchester United. Um, how are you feeling this season? About how the team will do? Uh, well, to be honest, it's been different, different since the beginning of the season. Because first two games against Brentford and Brighton, we were absolutely demolished, and uh, the new signings like Lisandro Martinez. Uh, and Anthony, uh, well, he arrived a bit late, but still, Ericsson, we didn't like really feel confident. We were like Martinez was dragged out of position, and uh, the defense wasn't just that right. I mean, Brentford scoring, scoring four, pressing high, and the hair playing short, uh, and it's all that uncomfortable stuff. Then Ten Hag switched. And I think that that was the point because he switched to the strength of of the players he has, uh, like going going long has the runners of Rashford and Sancho and well Ronaldo, <laughs> uh, even though he's not like very good this season, uh, not that good that he was like the last season. But last couple of weeks or months giving me hope and giving us all hope that uh, it all goes well and uh, yeah now team has the character that's the most important thing for me I think they were very fragile under even under Solskjaer we had yeah we had the United uh, the Unitedness the tradition etc but then everything just collapses and uh, at some point we miss the counter uh, the counter attack we miss the important goals like against Everton and we were fragile really now it seems better. The Europa League worth winning? Well, I think so. Uh, but I think we need to see at the Premier League as well because obviously Chelsea are not doing pretty well this season. Just got the new manager. Uh, and 
well, Tottenham either. They started like very, very good, but now it seems to be shaky. Uh, Arsenal's flying, by the way. <laughs> Arsenal's flying. Uh, Apart from when they came to Old Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's true. Okay, so our train's about to come into Zaragoza. We'll bring you the next United We Stand podcast um, from um, Birmingham at the weekend where Manchester United will play uh, Aston Villa. Um, thanks to everyone who's bought the latest United We Stand. We've not got many copies uh, left of that. There's a big interview in there with John, John Murta, lots of detail about what's going on inside the club. So if you've not seen that yet, you can, uh, you can buy it in newsagents around Manchester uh, or you can download it, go to UWS online.com and you'll see links there where you can download it and thanks for all your support because we put hundreds of hours into that each month so it's really good that for years and years and it's 33 years actually this week that United We Stand has been going so we really appreciate that until the next podcast goodbye